Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. Our order of service is in the bulletin. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 50, Once in Royal David's City. God, 
who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our epistle reading for this fourth Sunday after the Epiphany is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, a reading which just reminds us that it is by grace that we are saved. Paul wrote, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Alleluia, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news. Alleluia. 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 Our gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. This is the introduction, the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, a sermon that begins with the Beatitudes, blessed are they. Now, when, the, when he saw the crowds, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor, pure in heart, for they will seek God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Let's continue with our next hymn, hymn number 302, Lord, to you I make confession. today is our Old Testament reading for Mike, from Micah chapter 6 verses 1 to 8 where Micah writes, listen to what the Lord says, stand up, plead your case before the mountains, let the hills hear what you have to say, hear O mountains the Lord's accusation, listen you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, 
that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who are our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow sinners who've been declared not guilty of all your sins by the blood of Christ. There was a mother who recalled a time when her children were school age and three of those children came running home one day and they were all upset because their brother Jeremy, their big brother, had been beaten up badly by Jack, the neighborhood bully. And now what happened is, well, Jeremiah, Jeremy, he had been on his paper route when he came home. Well, when he came home, his nose was bloodied, his cheek was blue and scraped, his knees and his elbows were scraped up, and, and on the backside of his shirt, there were the footprints, the dirty footprints of, of Jack, the neighborhood bully. When Jeremy, Jeremy came home, he told his mother the story that what had happened is that he was about ready to begin his paper route, and as he was ready to begin his paper route, he stooped over to untie the newspaper bundles that he was about to be, that he was to deliver. And what happened is Jack was waiting there to ambush him. And he came to him and knocked him over and kneed him in the face several times. And he kept attacking and beating him until finally there was a man that drove by, stopped him, and thankfully stopped the beating. Jeremy then confessed to his mother that he was really worried what was going to happen next because, well, he told his mom, Jack says he's going to beat me up again every chance he gets on my paper route, at my bus stop, maybe even on the bus. I don't know what to do. And now bullying is a big problem. We hear a lot about it in the news. Bullying is a big problem. Bullying is a big problem. His mother, he just, she was just beside herself and she was trying to stifle the anger that she was experiencing toward Jack. And, and as she was frustrated and wondering what was going on, well, she asked her son 
why would he do such a thing? And then a whole different side of the story came out. Jeremy probably very timidly responded. Yesterday I was talking to some girls and I told them I was going to beat John up. They thought I said Jack and they went and told Jack. I said I was going to beat him up. So I guess Jack decided to teach me a lesson first. I never should have said that. And now when you look at the story, of course, both boys were in the wrong here. Jack should never have beaten up Jeremy. Well, Jeremy shouldn't have said what he said in the first place. But now I told you this story because we're oftentimes just like Jeremy. We blame others for our problems and troubles when instead in faith what we maybe should be doing is we should say as we just sang, Lord, to you I make confession. In our reading, the prophet Jeremiah was teaching Israel and us whenever we would confess our sins to God, that we also would want to say, borrowing some of the words from the hymn that we just sang, I have sinned and gone astray, and Lord, on you I cast my burden. The meaning of Micah's Hebrew name is, who is like the Lord? And really that summarizes the Lord's message to the people of Judah through the prophet Micah. Who is like the Lord in his threatened wrath and punishment against sin? Who is like the Lord in that respect? And well then also, who is like the Lord in his promised forgiveness, in his grace and mercy toward us, who rightfully would deserve his wrath and punishment. Well, who is like the Lord? He hates sin, but he loves the sinner for Jesus' sake. Micah has been called the prophet of the poor because what he did is he denounced the abuse of the poor, the oppression of the poor by the greedy, wealthy people and by the lying prophets. Micah was active at a very critical time in Israel's history and the history of God's Old Testament people. Even all the, the wealthy had become greedy for more and more and they severely victimized the helpless poor. And even the priests and the prophets, even those who were supposed to be serving God, they sold their services to gain riches, to take advantage of people. Well, what, what Micah did is he spoke sternly against all those sins and the evil that was running rampant in, Is in Judah. But like any faithful pastor, what Jeremiah not only did is he not only spoke God's words of judgment, he also held out God's, con God's words of consolation and comfort through the promised Messiah. In our reading, what Micah does is he creates a courtroom scene 
And as he creates this courtroom scene, he does that to direct God's people to look at their continued wickedness, resulting from their repeatedly forsaking God. And he was doing that in order to build God's case up against Israel. God's people had to stand silent before God in the face of God's accusations. They were guilty. They had sinned. They were guilty as charged. Micah said, listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusations. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. Well, in this section, Micah is depicting the Lord as a prosecutor with a case against his people. The mountains and the hills form the jury in this courtroom scene. And, well, those mountains and hills, they're not just the jury, they're also the witnesses and the judges in this case. And what stories they could tell well, of God's judge, God's goodness toward his people, all the great things that he had done for them, and how they could also witness to the Israelites' unfaithfulness and how they had rebelled against God. Oh, imagine, as we think of this picture here, imagine what would happen if God would call as witnesses, as judge and jury, oh, for example, the walls in our homes, our places of employment, our cars, our cell phones, our computers. What would all of those things be able to say against us about the times that we've broken God's will, that we've rebelled against God? You know, we're in the same boat as the people of Judah were. We have to say as we sang in our hymn, I have sinned and gone astray. The Lord said to Israel, My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. You know, Israel was kind of like Jeremy in the story I told you earlier. Jeremy, he wanted Jack to look bad. He was, after all, the neighborhood bully. He had beaten him up. When actually, if you think about that story, well, Jack was definitely in the wrong. But Jeremy caused the whole thing in the first place. He caused the whole thing in the first place. And now see, in our lives, it's easy for us to blame others and to, whenever we mess up, to try to place the blame, the responsibility elsewhere instead of saying, well, I have sinned and gone astray. It's easy to blame others. Sometimes it's easy to try to even blame God because of the wrongs that we've committed. If God wouldn't have allowed things to happen so in our lives. But God can't be blamed. He said, I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, even also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. 
that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. In this section, the Lord is listing several examples of his faithfulness to God's people. God freed the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt, and, and when he freed them, he didn't leave them leaderless. He sent them Moses to be their main leader in guiding them out of Egypt and back to the promised land. He sent them Aaron to be their high priest to lead them in their religious worship and also sent Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron, to be their prophetess to, to guide them. He delivered Israel also from the hands of evil men like Balak. Balak, he was the king of Moab, and he tried to present, prevent Israel's entrance into the promised land of Palestine. The Lord even caused Balak's hired heathen prophetess, Balaam. Well, what Balak wanted Balaam to do is he wanted him to curse Israel, but the Lord caused Balaam to instead bless the people of Israel instead. And if you want to hear more about that story, look at Numbers chapter 22 to 24. And then while the Israelites were at Shittim, then what happened there is that was their last camping place before they crossed the Jordan River. And that's the spot where the Israelites tragically rebelled against God with adultery and idolatry. And to read about that story, look at Numbers 25. Well, what happened in that instance is God did discipline his people, but he didn't reject them. He didn't reject them. He brought them across the Jordan River and to Gilgal their first encampment in the promised land of Palestine. The Lord did all of this so that the Israelites might, as he says here, know the righteous acts of the Lord. The people of Israel, what they had to do is they had to recognize the righteous acts of God in the law that he proclaimed in punishing them for their sin. They also fortunately could recognize the righteous acts of God in the gospel in forgiving them their sins. And they could also recognize the righteous acts of God in his promise to bring them safely into the promised land of Palestine. God rested his case by saying that he always was righteous and faithful to his people as God is always righteous and faithfulness toward us as well. He says to us, never will I leave you or forsake you. Well, what did Israel have to say in response to God saying that he was always faithful to them? Well, they said, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for the transgression, for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? 
see what the Israelites were saying is they really had no defense against the Lord's charges of unfaithfulness against them. There was nothing that they on their own could do to make things right with God. Sacrifices, no matter how many they would make, that didn't repair the damage caused by their sin and rebellion. There was nothing that they could do to make amends. Sacrifices would be of no value. Sacrificing even their children and now many heathen religions back in they, that day, they thought, oh, if I sacrifice my child, that's the greatest sacrifice. That surely is going to mean something. Didn't mean anything to God. Actually, it was a terrible abomination in the eyes of the Lord. They could do nothing to pay for their sins. What was missing in Israel's defense here was true sorrow and repentance over the sins and the rebellion that they had committed. They weren't looking to God for his mercy and forgiveness. They weren't like the tax collector in Jesus' parable who, who wouldn't even look up to heaven but smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's not what the Israelites were like. And the fact of the matter is that we're tempted to be like those Israelites. Our sinful nature, when we've sinned, when we've been caught, it, it tends to want to come up with excuses or blaming someone else for the sin that's in our lives. Maybe it's the devil that we blame instead of just simply coming to God and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Micah closes our reading then by speaking directly to Israel and to us. He says, the Lord has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord request of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, well, of course, that would mean to keep God's commands. And tragically, that's something that you and I can't do. We can't even really begin to do. How thankful we have to be that Jesus, when he came into this world, he did it for us. He acted justly for us. He kept God's law in our place and his perfect obedience, his righteousness, is credited to us through faith. Christ has done for us what we couldn't possibly do. He acted justly. And he did it only because he's our merciful and our gracious God. Now through faith, what we can do is really love God's mercy and love what God has done for us because it's only because of what he's done for us that we have peace, that we have an answer with God. Oh, how blessed we are to know that God does not treat us as we deserve to be treated because of our sins. He treats us according to his grace and mercy, his undeserved love for us sinners. And 
knowing that God treats us according to his grace and mercy, doesn't that motivate us now to, as it says here, walk humbly with our God, to want to live for him, to be his believing children, to spread the message of his grace and love. You know what we can say is we can say, yes, I'm a sinner. I deserve God's wrath and punishment. I deserve eternal punishment. But God loves me for Jesus' sake. And he wants me with him now and forever because Jesus lived and died for me. And he rose from the dead to prove his victory for me. In 1847, a Sir James Simpson discovered that chloroform could be used as an anesthetic while people were put under, at the time of surgery, a great discovery. Well, years later, there was a student that talked to Sir Simpson and asked him about, well, kind of about that discovery, but his question was this. What was the greatest discovery in your lifetime? And maybe the student was expecting him to say, well, when I discovered chloroform, that was the greatest discovery. But instead, Sir Simpson replied, my most valuable discovery was when I discovered myself a sinner and that Jesus Christ was my Savior. When the Holy Spirit enabled him to see those things, that was the greatest discovery in his lifetime. And likewise, we're so blessed. We're so blessed because in faith, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can say as we've sung, Lord, to you I make confession. I have sinned. I've gone astray. But Lord, on you I cast my burden. On you I cast my burden. I cast all of those sins. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Holy Spirit, know we can know we have a Savior in Jesus and we can trust in him for forgiveness, for eternal life. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith, again using the Christmas Creed. If you're following along in the bulletin, it begins on the bottom of page 2. I believe in God the Father Almighty, who sent his Son to be my Savior. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, my Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, announced by the angels, worshipped by the shepherds, adored by the wise men, who lived to suffer, die, and rise again, to free me from all sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. I believe in the Holy Spirit, who brought me to faith in my Savior, and by whose continuous work in my heart, I rejoice in my salvation show forth his praises, and will one day live and reign with him in all eternity.
Let's pray. Lord God, you know that we are surrounded by many dangers and that we think our knowledge and our power are greater than they are. Protect us and in ways beyond our strength, guide us through all dangers and temptations. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In our prayers today, we continue to keep Don Janicki at home, but still recuperating in a hospital bed from strokes that he suffered. We keep in our prayers Deb Spitzley had open, well, had, had heart catheterization stents put into her heart, had a heart attack as well. Paula Burris, she continues to deal with that infection in her leg. Mary Glassbrook, as she's spending an extra week in rehab trying to get that knee back going again after knee replacement surgery. We pray, Lord God, we think of these brothers, brother and sisters in our church family, dealing with different illnesses, different ailments, and we ask you if it's according to your will, please grant healing. But as we always ask, we say, Lord God, please grant always to them and to all of us the greatest healing of all. That is that when we come to you and say, Lord, to you I make confession. I have sinned and gone astray. Just having the knowledge that we can cast on you the burden of our sin and know you take care of it completely for us. Oh, what blessing that gives to us. Oh, what healing of our souls that gives to us. Please keep on building us up in your grace and love. We pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name, and in him, his name we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. 
just a couple of announcements to share with you quickly in the congregation. Thursday is Aaron Purdy's birthday. Friday, Jackson Daniels has a birthday. Saturday, Rick Hazi has a birthday. Please remember to look at our prayer list for all the different people in our church with different aches and pains and ailments. Keep them in your prayers. Again, thanks for worshiping with me. The Lord bless and keep you always.